0: Good morning. On this bowl of Question Crunch, my friend Julian Jetson is here to answer a ton of geeky questions from hosting Comic Con's gay geeks and where to find them, to wearing comfortable cosplays, to drinking from Dan Connor's head. <laughs>
1: I went to the the tiki bar next door and I was like, oh, can I get some water like for my throat? And he's like, yeah. And he just did it all up. He goes, just because it's water doesn't mean that it can't be, I don't know, fancy. Damn. (laughs) They spoil me over there. They really do.
0: I just feel like that's a good, uh, that's just a good thing to follow in life is just because it's water doesn't mean it can't be fancy.
1: (laughs) Oh, exactly. Of course. I, I feel that way. I mean... God, I, I I have, like, crazy cups at home that I'm always drinking water out of. Like, I have crazy cups, and those are my regular water cups. I,
0: like, I prefer this cup just because it's metal. It keeps things cold, and uh, it's really easy to wash. Because it's got big mouth, so I can just put my – I can throw my whole fist in that. <laughs>
1: is, that is that one of those uh, ones from, like, the soda fountain guy at, like, the cons? Correct. Yes, I've never, you know, it's funny, I never got one before and I feel like I may never get one because I don't think that the sanitary idea of buying a cup and then latching it to your side on your dirty pant leg and then drinking from it again later is going to be a thing.
0: Uh, I think that every Renaissance Fair, anyone who goes to the Renaissance Fair would disagree with you. <laughs> Do they, do they, does he go to the Renaissance Fair? Like, does he set up, like, the soda pop shop thing? And oh, work? I don't know. I don't know about him. I'm just saying that every person at the Renaissance Fair, they've got, like, metal horns and whatnot, and they tie it out oh, their, yeah, waist. They have
1: their Yeah, they have their little, their little, what do they call them? Tankards? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, attached, yeah. Ironically, I am actually going to uh, a Renaissance Fair in September up in Idlewild. Oh, uh, get ready for some disgusting,
0: sh- like, <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's weird looking back at my time at Renaissance Fair and right now in the pandemic and like, ah, we did a lot of disgusting stuff.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. And then also, I feel like it'll be nice, though, because it's going to be in a big open area. And like the photos that they've already posted, like their vendor spaces are super spaced out. Although I do want to take note of the idea that (laughs) the vendor spacing their tents like they have regular modern tents like they're not doing them up to look like a ren fair tent so to speak they're just regular like white canopy tents and I was like oh well that breaks the illusion but I'll still buy all the wares anyways
0: sure but why why not make it renaissance fair like why not use fabric or ah that's weird
1: I know, I'm just, I'm so used to dressing up a, a booth space, like, for different events that I'm just like, why not do it? It's, right? yeah, I know it's extra, but it looks good. Uh, I'm I'm thinking about getting those plastic
0: walls for different conventions I go to, and if I can decorate it look like I'm in my, a comic frame of my webcomic, that'd be pretty fun.
1: Oh, that would be really rad, actually. I'd be 100% into that aesthetic. So, speaking of comics
0: uh when i met you it was at san diego comic fest you're one of the friends that i made via that show no Um, actually that's not wasn't
1: there i have not actually made it down to comic fest i actually met you at the WonderCon after party at the house of blues okay art but i was there to meet our friend matt and uh that was my first time seeing Matt in person in a long time since like the last Tiki event that I'd seen him at. And I literally made it into the dance floor and I just hear someone scream my name and here comes this weird Al Yankovic guy. And I'm like, oh, it's Matt, yay. And he's all, you have to come meet my friend, Jimmy. Like that was like the first thing he said. He was like, you have to come meet my friend, Jimmy. I'm so excited for you to meet him. He's an artist and he's really cool. Like you guys look along so well. And honestly, he was not wrong.
0: <laughs> I, I while, while I could not remember the uh location that we met I do remember like it's weird the background's foggy but I do remember us meeting and uh yeah Dunford's right uh you meeting you has been something that I've appreciated every time we get to hang out or talk or whatever I mean when you got when you invite me to the um the new year zoom that we did I was oh, yeah. so damn excited about it. I'm like yes I would love to hang out with Julian to ring in the new year and yell Jumanji as 2020 gets the fuck out of here. Um, but yeah, you are you are a huge nerd. You love comics. Uh, what got you into comics?
1: Oh man, I don't even really like, I thought about like thinking about that the other day and I just, I thought about thinking about it. No, I thought about <laughs> that the other day and as I was thinking about it, it was kind of hard for me to narrow it down because I was born in 87, so like... The first Michael Keaton Batman movie came out when I was like two years old. And I know that the, my family didn't take me to see that movie at two years old. They took me to see The Little Mermaid instead, which understandable, which is, a, you know, another life changing, you know, movie. Um, but uh, when when Batman was out, the action figures and everything was very prevalent for like little boys and toys and stuff. So I got a gang of those like type of toys and stuff. Um, And I remember when Batman Returns came out, my mother actually did take me to see Batman Returns. But the scene, excuse me, the scene where the penguin bites the guy's nose, my mom just like called it and she was like, nope, I don't know what I thought I was thinking, bringing my son. I think I was like six at the time. And she's like, I don't know what I thought I was thinking, bringing my son to this Tim and Batman movie, No, this is too much. And I was so distraught because I did not understand why we had to leave. <laughs> I felt embarrassed. I felt distraught. So I think Batman was probably my very first exposure to comic books in general. So between so between those movies, there was also reruns of the Adam West uh, show and like when i say bread and butter baby bread and butter like i cannot get enough of the camp i cannot get enough of the pow bang crack i cannot get enough of you know holy astronomy batman like i just i live for all those like little things but as far as i can remember i've always really been into batman and and also If I think back very young, like Ninja Turtles was also a thing and I only knew it as the movie in the cartoons, but it obviously was from like a comic book. So I don't know, those kind of things were always kind of obviously marketed towards me (laughs) and uh, being a little boy. And uh, I don't know, I just always was into specifically Batman at first. And but that was like the gateway to everything else, you know watching um i I remember when the batman the animated series came out and i was probably the most excited kid on the block because it looked so different to what i'd known of batman besides the tim burton but like the animation like was all new to me um and uh the style of it the what they created was the dark the dark deco style is what they call it and I don't know, like it came on with Power Rangers and I was also a Power Rangers fan. Obviously, I hook, line and sinker. I was the core demographic of the original, so they got me and I would always watch those on Fox Kids. And then along came, you know, things like the Spider-Man cartoon and X-Men, obviously in reverse order, but um, things like that. And I was always, always, always very excited about watching these superhero shows and these superhero movies so that that eventually led me into like getting into the comics and things like that. So once I, st- once I started really reading the comics, um, my idea of them completely changed because to me, it was almost kind of like this idea that, um, and this is crazy to think about because I was a kid, but like I would think like, oh, the average person is gonna see the Batman movies, but the average person is probably not reading the comic books. And to me, reading the comic books felt like I was getting like character sub story and background and notes and everything that when I watched the movies, they made more sense. The characters made more sense to me. And I always felt like that was like this, like uh, very like, oh, they just like always Easter eggs, right? They always wanna give us Easter eggs in movies and mention something. And I remember even when I was young, they'd mention something random in a movie and I'm like, Oh, I got that reference. And it was very exciting and thrilling to me because I felt like I knew something everybody else in the audience didn't know. But what I probably didn't know is that everyone in the audience were also comic book fans, and they all did done know That's adorable. I love
0: everything about that. (laughs) I feel like uh, a lot of times when I hear someone saying that... um, especially when like I've heard friends online say that they're big fans of Deadpool and they're like, man, I can't wait for the next movie. I'm like, well, if that were true, don't worry, because there's a lot of comic books that you can check out at your local comic book store. Exactly. <laughs> um, So you said Adam West Batman was one of your early memories of Batman. It's interesting because I always thought that Adam West is what got me into comics. But then you mentioned the Ninja Turtles and – while I was younger, I don't think I knew that the Ninja Turtles were a comic book. I, I thought they were just straight cartoon and then the movie. I didn't know that they had a comic book. It I wasn't neither, until... did,
1: neither did I until, like, high school, I think it was. I think it was right? high school. And I was like, it was a comic book? Because I just, all I knew were the action figures and the cartoons and, and uh, the movies. You know, to this day, when I was younger, uh, because of how... Uh, being little, you don't understand ge- basic geography of like you know where they're in New York and where New York is relative to you, I guess, unless you lived close to New York. And to me, it was just always like you know they hit it, they they always like went down into the sewers. And as a kid, um, I'm sure you've probably seen these the um, the manhole covers have like this uh, like. Hexagonal or octagonal, like design on it, almost like a, the back of a tortoise shell. And mm. I always thought that when I saw those, I was like, "Ooh, this must be one that goes to their hideout." That's it's it's a marker. Everybody knows it. Like I literally thought that.
0: That's fantastic. Um, did you go to Comic Con uh, when they had the uh, the the big advertisement for the second? Ninja Turtles movie wasn't Michael Bay? Michael Bay did the Ninja Turtles
1: movie, right? Yes, Michael Bay did those. You were talking about the one that they brought in uh, Stephen Amell as um, um... Casey Jones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you uh, did you see the big the big advertisement that they were having in the park
1: area for that the second movie? No, I actually did not go that year. Mm-hmm. My first, my very first San Diego Comic Con was actually um, 20. Uh, uh, um... What year are we in now? 21, 2019. The 50th anniversary was when I was finally able to actually secure a badge and make it and get in. And uh, but I, everything else, like up to that point, I'd gone to all other conventions and I kept up with San Diego. So I kind of remember kind of the display that you're talking about.
0: I, I just remember not. I wasn't I wasn't that much of a fan of those movies, but they had one of the the pizza flinging tank thing that you can actually sit in the tank and fire a button to fling, like, a giant pizza at oh uh, uh, the standees of, like, the the villains. And I was just like, man, I don't like these movies, but I can't miss out on this. As, <laughs> like, I, Why this, would you? How could you? I feel like I'm I'm uh, answering a promise. I'm fulfilling a promise that I made to younger me that if I ever got to shoot a pizza at, <laughs> at uh, Bebop and Rock City, I have to do it.
1: <laughs> oh my god, absolutely. It's literally what our childhood dreams are made of from those commercials, like, of the action figures.
0: It was damn good advertisement because I, uh, I I waited in line. I had to do it. I just, I needed to. I remember but telling I my to friends. Ask, yes.
1: Was it a real pizza?
0: No, it was a fun okay, thing. Okay, good. Because <laughs> if it was a real pizza, I would have been upset.
1: Like, because I'm going to eat the pizza. I'm not going gonna, gonna to throw it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, also think that my... My, my like, I'm a huge pizza fan. Like, I love, I love pizza. Like, who doesn't love pizza? But I do actually think that that really does ultimately stem from the Ninja Turtles. Probably. Like, their love of pizza and the way that the cartoon made it look super cheesy and good. Oh, man, they made it look like it was the best thing in the world. The food of the gods. Like, yes, absolutely. I want to eat that. I can't honestly uh, argue that. I can't.
0: <laughs> I can't look at it subjectively enough to tell you that it wasn't because of the turtles. <laughs> facts are facts, America. <laughs> um, but when when I when you mentioned Adam West Batman, do you can you somehow remember like what was the first introduction to the Adam West Batman?
1: Oh man, oh man,
0: because <sighs> I've got a very foggy memory of like the first scene and I, that I remember seeing, and that was uh. Mr. Freeze. I think I mentioned this on an earlier episode of the podcast because talking about Batman it has to happen. I, yeah. I, Batman's one of my favorite heroes, so of course I'm going to bring it up. But uh, Mr. Freeze captured Batman and Robin in bright colored ice and it looked like icies. And so I don't remember any. I don't remember anything else of the episode, just seeing those two. And I don't even know if they got out.
1: They it, might be dead. Oh, <laughs> You'll have to tune in tomorrow. Same bat time. Same bat channel. <laughs> I actually have seen that episode multiple times. Um, only because well, let me answer your question first. So I'll get into it. Okay. Yeah, there don't spoil it. I I I don't I don't want you to tell me that they got out. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I remember like it must have been on something like early morning. I remember like being a little kid, like at my like whoever's like family members' house I was at, it'd be early in the morning and they'd have the reruns of it. And I think the very first one that I remember was actually, yeah, this would have been when I was about two or three, was uh, Robin. It was the end of the episode. What will happen? Tune in tomorrow. Robin is, like, swallowed by, like, a giant clam. And, like, his little booty is sticking out, you know, move, move it, move it around. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, what will happen? Did, did the clam get Robin? Like, it was that. And I I, I very distinctly remember that because, That was like the one memory I kind of held on to about like um, my reference, I think for Robin's shoes later on. Um, And uh, I remember when I saw that episode years later, I now own the entire series on like the deluxe DVD box set thing, everything. It was a gift. It was a gift. So it had to be extra. Um, But when I watched that episode over, I was like, (sighs) Oh, Like, you know, that vivid memory comes back into play. You know, you're like, oh, 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 that's it. That's why I have that vision in my head. It's from this episode. And I can't remember who the villain was. I want to say, I think the Joker was the villain. I really do. I think that was, it well, sounds like something the Joker would do, I guess. Uh, <laughs> a giant clam, Woo woo woo. <laughs> you know. Um, but then when I got older, my uncle, who also was like um, like one of the main people who raised me, that's like my father figure, he was also very into um, feeding that, like the Batman thing and everything, because that's what he grew up with, uh, was the original run. And uh, the, I'll never forget that, I think I was seven, FX did a Batman marathon and at like five in the morning, they started airing batman episodes back to back all the way through the day and at the very end was the movie and my uncle got up at like five in the morning to put in that vhs into the vcr so he could record it for me so that i had it to watch so i had two separate vhs tapes chock full of all of these batman episodes and then one separate for for the uh the movie and i watched those things god on repeat, on repeat, I still, I, you know, I still quote lines from some episodes and I sometimes forget that not everyone around me, like all my friends have seen those, but every now and then I'll throw in a random quote, like in a, geek, a geeky scene and someone will catch on it. Like, I remember we were, uh, I think it was in the high school. We were moving the set around and there's a line from the premiere episode of Batgirl where the narrator says, What's this? Revolving walls, hidden rooms, disguises. What is Barbara Gordon's secret? And I said that as we were moving a wall panel. And one of my friends started cackling. And I go, She did not catch what that was from. There's no way. And she goes, Was that from the first episode of Batgirl on the 1966 show? And I was like, Yeah, yeah yes, it was. It, how did you know? She goes, my dad loves that show, and I've watched it so much. he goes, Batgirl's my favorite. And I was like, see, all it took was a geeky person to get to catch the reference. Damn. I really need to get a copy of that whole
0: series. Because, like, I've watched a few episodes here and there. But, uh, yeah, I just haven't watched all of them. And I would not have caught that reference. <laughs> I would have missed the opportunity. That sucks. But I'm glad she did. <laughs>
1: And I know, and I know the Mr. Freeze episode you're talking about too. You know, there was actually, here's a fun trivia of the podcast. Yes. Mr. Freeze was in three episodes of the entire show. I think maybe one episode per season, and every time he was played by a different actor. I knew that.
0: I knew that one, or at least like I was drawing. Uh, I, I went to a. I went to. I went to an anniversary showing of the batman movie and i was drawing the characters and someone asked for a drawing of mr freeze and i googled it
1: and i'm like oh shit yes yeah. one <laughs> yeah the very first one had that old school hazmatty suit with like a funky astronaut helmet and then like the other two they gave him this cool looking suit with like a domeless collar, he goes. My ice collar keeps me at the temperature I need, or whatever accent he had, whatever accent he had. Um, but I always remember thinking, like, and they always gave him like these fierce eyebrows. Like it was just the most rankin' and bass stop motion looking eyebrows you ever did see. <laughs>
0: Um, I, as someone with bushy eyebrows, I totally feel like uh, they might have inspired my own. No, <laughs> <Don't let me. laughs>
1: I think I think you're a far cry from like the Fu Manchu style, like bushy eyebrows.
0: You know, give me time,
1: <laughs> True. there's something to aspire to just a couple um, of year's time, you know. <laughs>
0: And uh, so not only are you a, a huge nerd and I love it. I love following your Instagram. I, fo- I love following any of your posts and especially when you come up with a new uh,
1: cosplay that I haven't seen before. Um, your recent one was Captain America, right? Yes, I did the um, the Aaron Fisher version of Captain America, which he just made his debut um, the end of June. And uh, He's he's a gay character, and the, the series is going to explore all these uh, people who are inspired by Captain America to do something about like their local community or whatever they're in. And this character, Aaron Fisher, um, I believe is fighting for LGBT youth and stuff like that. Uh, I'm totally paraphrasing because it's been a long day. Um, sure, sure. But um, uh, the outfit to me when it came out, when they said – Oh, this is our gay Captain America when he was like announced a while ago. My cosplay aesthetic is very—I um, call it everyday cosplay—and if people used to get that confused that I would do something every day. I mean, it could, but I meant that more as—I like, mean it more as like you know, um, everyday items. I don't—I'm not a—I'm not—I'm not a seamstress. I'm not a tailor, um, and I'm not someone who particularly likes to always just wear like a spandex suit. Um, just for me, you know, I, I, I have my body, it, everybody's got something that they don't like about them. And I, I just don't think I feel out like a spandex suit, like a power ranger should, you know? Um, but I love clothes and I love, um, putting things together. And back in high school, I would actually start doing that. And I'd have this like outfit that I would put together. Like, um, it'd be inspired by, uh, maybe an episode of Smallville or a character. You know and it would just be certain elements of this outfit that i'd be wearing and no one would catch it but it wasn't for anybody else but myself you know and so when this one came out with how he looked how it was very that kind of aesthetic i looked at it and i was like i can i can do this and i've never painted denim before so this will be a new experience but i can do this and uh the overall fit aside, of uh, the, the fit of the overalls aside, they were kind of like cheap, so they weren't the best. I banged it out and I was very, very happy with like how it looked. It was very fun. So, and I know that um, uh, the artist Jan and the writer, uh, Josh Trujillo, they had made, had the discussion about when they were doing it, they wanted it to be something that people did look at and go, Oh, I can. I, I think I can make this. I think I can do this. So uh, that was something he told me, and I was like, "That's that's very exciting because that's exactly my thought that I had when I saw it. I was like, I can do this. I, this I can do. This is easy. This is not easy, but the concept of it to me was easy. I was like, I can actually do this.
0: And you uh, you nailed it. It's fantastic. Like the first time when I right when I saw that photo, I easily recognized it, and I feel like that also kind of makes this Captain America more achievable, something that everyone can be a part of the, the attributes and the, uh, the courage we can, we can all be Captain America. We can all make this kind of costume versus his other costumes, which you have
1: to be a seamstress to make. Absolutely. Or you have to have the money to buy, you know, the cool jackets or, you know, whatever, whatever pieces you have to buy. So, I mean, Cost efficiency, it was very cost efficient in terms of, like, I know, like, a good jacket that's made to look like Captain America could be, like, $175. I can tell you right now I did not spend $175 on that entire look. I think it's fantastic that you said um, that you go for everyday costumes
0: because now I'm going through my mind of uh, all the costumes I remember you being in and being like, yeah, all right, cool, because the Dick Tracy one— is a nice casual costume that you could easily
1: wear. It's not the big ass bright yellow coat. Exactly. Yeah, the <clears throat> The Dick Tracy one, Um, that one came about because of Comic-Con Palm Springs. And the year that we were doing it, that this specific year, it was uh, at the Air Museum. And the Air Museum is really cool in Palm Springs. If you've never been, please, please go give it a check out because it's actually really, really cool um and it's got all kinds of things like the big bombers and everything but they play music and i noticed this on a site visit they play like 1920s 30s 40s radio and i love i love music and i love music like that and i just was like kind of feeling it and that in that moment i was like okay the cosplays that i want to do then should probably be something retrofitted like in that retrofitted in that aesthetic and so that's why i did the dick tracy because i had the jacket that i used for jubilee and um i already had a red tie and i had a vest and i was like "Ooh, it's gonna be hot Ooh, it's gonna be hot so i opted to wear shorts instead and it still worked out it really did and the hat was actually uh everybody was like where did you find that yellow fedora hat to match i literally bought a hat at target that was like a straw hat with a black band and I put painter's tape around the band and I spray I just spray painted it and thank god the yellow absolutely matched because it did look like a whole ensemble but it is very comfortable it's very comfortable that's that's the thing I've noticed about conventions is it's fun to get super dressed up but like sometimes when you have the giant sword and things like that it just becomes cumbersome when you're walking around or your arm gets tired you know think the practicality of things and I I made the decision that I always had wanted to be super comfortable in whatever I was wearing and whatever character I was doing.
0: Um, my friend actually works in costuming for different TV shows. And she's told me that she can't tell me what she's working on. She's like, man, I wish that you worked here because I want to show you what I'm working on, but I can't show you what I'm working on. Cause she has worked on various CW shows and I'm just like, damn it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That'd be
1: so, that'd be so awesome. Yeah, those so, those darn what do they call them? Uh, oh, NDA's, the NDAs, yeah, NDA's, yeah.
0: I'm so bad with acronyms, so I'm just like, fuck, I can't remember what the <laughs> initials are. Uh, I remembered the full, I remembered the full,
1: and I was like, but what's the
0: acronym? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, she's like, she's like, you know, you just uh, get a job here so we can talk about what we're working on. And I was like, all right, sure, I'll just, you know, learn how to sew a bunch of cool stuff and then get a job there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, opportunity exactly. was never th- just me.
1: learn how to thread a bobbin. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it, it should be easy. Uh, well, it'll take me a week, right? I got this.
1: <laughs> oh man, that could have been something. I know a lot of people actually did pick that up during this pandemic was sewing and. I think it's really cool because a lot of us had a bunch of time to learn a new hobby or something or a new skill or work on ourselves and i i'm very um uh what's the word i'm looking for here uh appreciative i admire i highly admire the fact that some of the people were like we're gonna do some old school things and learn how to sew because then you can just make whatever you want to make to to wear and i think that's a very cool thing to be able to do i really do
0: I agree. I've I've had too many friends buy an outfit and they're
1: like, oh, I'm just going to do some adjustments. I was like, how? What kind of magic yeah. is this shit? Yeah, I've <laughs> seen that too, and I'm just like, oh my god, how, if I if I knew how to do that, that'd be amazing. I could get anything to fit my body correctly.
0: They just buy it, buy a simple thing, and they're like, oh, let's make this
1: better. I'm, Okay. <laughs> I've seen which cosplayers <laughs> do that too with um uh. I'm sure you know Luigi, Super X Luigi. He did a Harley Quinn, and uh, the shorts he got were like from Hot Topic, I think, and he had to have them altered to fit like his male physique. And the way that they were altered, they looked amazing. It was really amazing.
0: Now your Harley Quinn is one of my favorites, the one with the uh, the tassel
1: sleeves. Oh my gosh, the Kasha tape jacket. Yes. Oh my god, thank you. I love the shit out of that. Um, what are some of your favorite cosplays that you've done? That one sticks out because that was the first time I think I actually had to go through the effort of really making something and really having to break it down and figure it out. And at the time, it was only after like the release, like the wardrobe teaser, and maybe like a snapshot was taken of her on the street. That was all I had to work off of. And I was very, very happy so, so so, where a lot of people, they're very impressed. They're like, we can't believe you made that just off of like this. And I go, I just, I was really, I really wanted to do it. And I'd never done anything like that before. And it was a whole different skill set that I had to apply. It was very crafty queen. And I, re- I was really happy with how it looked. And that was also actually the very first time I'd ever gone to a convention during the, like, in full-blown drag. I wouldn't even say full-blown drag because the makeup was... <laughs> But, like, in drag, you know, and it was a really I felt self-conscious at first, but it was really freeing. So that one the 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 memories that tie to that cosplay are really do make that like one of my favorites. And then I'd have to say, man, God, there's some good ones. Um. In my opinion, I can make it better, but I also and actually, this is the cost I was wearing when I met you was my Captain Cold cosplay. I just had a blast wearing it, and uh. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had a cool blast wearing it, um, and I got to make the gun, which was really cool too, another skill set. And also, my Jubilee is also a big favorite because that was one of the first ones that I ever wore to um, a convention, and that was the first Comic Con Palm Springs. And the yellow jacket that I got for it was actually intended to be um, for an April O'Neil cosplay of all things, come on, Ninja Turtles. Uh, Because I was moderating was my first time and I thought like, oh, all weekend I'll do a cosplay that's like reporter based. So like I did a Jimmy Olsen before and stuff like that. And the day of it, just the pants were just not working out, these yellow pants that I had. And I was really excited about wearing the jacket and the night before I had noticed uh, somebody wearing a Jubilee cosplay, my friend, my now friend, Chris Riley. And I was like, Oh, well, I guess I could do a a gender bend. I didn't think about that. So I literally took a pair of blue skinny jeans. I had cut them into shorts and like rolled them up, borrowed a pink tank top from my roommate and put that on with like some like pink sung or yellow sunglasses is what they were. And like, What they would refer to, I guess, now as closet cosplay. It was very that. But I had a blast in it. Also another blast. Um, I had a blast in it. And it was very rudimentary what I was doing that day. And, like, that one has progressed so much. I'm always kind of tweaking little elements. And I think, like, the fully evolved version of it was what I wore. When I wore it to Comic-Con in San Diego, I had white sneakers that were light up shoes. And I got a cool yellow studded belt and got a cool X-Men belt buckle to go with and redid like, you know, my lapel with cool buttons and got the right sunglasses and new gloves. Like I really just kind of did it up because I thought, oh, this is San Diego Comic-Con, I'm going to like if I'm going to go, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up like at the best that I think that I can do. And so when I look at the original photos of my Jubilee and I look at those, And you can see multiple photos in between from other events. You really actually see the progression of this one cosplay. And it's always just been like a favorite. And it's a very easy grab-and-go travel cosplay as well. To like just take wherever. And again, mad comfortable. Like comfort is key. Absolutely.
0: That's like the primary reason why I stopped cosplaying was because I realized, you
1: know what's more comfortable? Not dressing up. But you can dress up like I've se- the uh, the clown outfit that you got from me is very comfortable. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't no, like you're... to wear a clown outfit all the time, but you know it's comfy. It was very
0: comfy. Uh, the only uh, thing that was less comfy was uh, all the people without masks walking
1: around. Uh... And <laughs> oh, no. oh no, that's not that's not the business.
0: Well, the only I was actually more worried along the lines of uh, just random people uh, getting creeped out by a random dude walking around as a clown uh I didn't I <laughs> in as California someone, as someone who's afraid of clowns uh I would understand if they were like oh this guy's up to no good
1: <laughs> yeah clowns
0: are very sus they
1: can be that's, very sus
0: that's why I made sure to have a sign with you know with the website of the charity and whatnot and the hashtag for the charity so people can look me up see what's going on but still no one reads signs so that was because I, I
1: someone was no walking me like signs. This no is so one
0: reads no one reads signs
1: <laughs> it's, it's so true it's so true how many times have you or seen or done it yourself you go to open a door and it says pull but you go to push like nobody reads yeah signs. nobody reads signs and you can you can make it as big as you want
0: i i remember at uh the warehouse job i have i said hey um you did this thing and you're not supposed to and they're like well how am i supposed to know that and i pointed the sign that was right in front of him that said don't do that thing
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. People know. People are just, you know, speed limits. That's just a suggestion. <laughs> right? <laughs> 45? Ah, uh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> that's only if your car can't go faster.
0: <laughs> it's a max speed limit for some. <laughs> exactly. That's the max
1: for, like, a Vespa. Like, that's okay. That's cute.
0: <laughs> so... One of your costumes, one of your recent costumes, was that a, a photo that you took recently was uh, Sailor Moon. And as a nerd, um, I, I came up with this question for you. Uh, if, a, if the Sailor Scouts were named after fictional planets from comic books or movies or whatever, uh, what three
1: planets would you choose for Sailor Scouts? Okay. Oh, the first one, okay. So there'd have to be a Star Wars one. Okay. So... I think I would love to see a Sailor Nabu. I think it would look really, really chic and really cool. Um, I don't now know.
0: Would, if they, would, would they be a cross between like uh, the people and uh,
1: the Gungans? Oh, you know, I didn't even think if it could be a Gungan. I guess it could be a Gungan. Maybe, maybe every version of Sailor Nabu it switches between the human. Uh, ratio and the gungans maybe so i dig it i don't know maybe maybe something like that maybe there's two who knows um there's endless possibilities there uh another obscure one and so it's it's so random but um are you familiar with tenchi muyo no but uh, let's go with it as long as as, as if I do as if I am. <laughs> okay. So Tenshi Muyo is a, is an anime, and um, I remember watching it back on Toonami back in the day. There was like Tenshi Muyo, Tenshi Universe, and Tenshi in Tokyo. But there's this whole like arc that like Tenshi is not actually human; he's only half human, and like his I think it's his grandfather's from a planet called Jurai, and I always uh, thought that would be really cool if there was, like, ever a crossover, that there was a Sailor Jirai. And I think that also they would look very elegant as well. And, like, they also use—they're not lightsabers, but they have lightsabers. Like, it's, like, energy, but it comes in—it the, it looks like a lightsaber. So I think that would look really cool as a Sailor Senshi. And—oh, and, of course, a Sailor Krypton. Yes. That, that, gotta one that came Krypton. Krypton. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be Sailor Krypton, Sailor Dry, and Sailor Naboo. Those are my three answers, and I'm sticking to them. <laughs> when I was coming up with this question,
0: I was like, man, Sailor Apocalypse would be scary as hell.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I guess that's, that would be chaos, would be the same thing from Sailor Moon, it would be like the apocalypse, which was from the last story arc of Sailor Moon. Cool. You're like, cool, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, bro. I know, I know, I know. It's not fully your thing.
0: (laughs) I actually had to look up the term for for, uh, Sailor Moon and her buds. I was, like, looking it up, and I was like, all right, Sailor Scouts. But I think there's also another term for her team,
1: right? Okay, so Sailor Scouts. Sailor Scouts is the term that was created when they first adapted uh, the anime to English back in the 90s. They called them Sailor Scouts. And so that's what, as America, we were all exposed to. And um, I actually remember being in a message board group where one girl was trying to correct everyone so much that she put it in the rules in the message board that anytime you put Sailor Scout, it recorrected the word Scout to send you, like a flagged bad word almost, right? <laughs> and I remember one time typing that and I was like, oh, I must, I, I, I was, I'm sorry, I meant to say Sailor Scout not sailor senshi and so when it came out it said i meant to say sailor senshi not sailor senshi and i'm all what what is happening <laughs> and everybody got a laugh out of it and they were like oh it's part of the rules you probably don't know uh but yeah sailor scout is the americanized original version uh sailor senshi is what they are called in um the original japanese and the modern you could also say sailor guardians which is basically base- the closer translation i think of what it is
0: Yeah, when I was looking that up, I I came upon that. And I'm like, oh, shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we, we Moonies are, you know, we're hardcore. We know these facts. And it it does make me laugh. It does make me laugh because I still, to this day, hear people say Sailor Scouts. And in my mind, I'm like, I know you're a bigger Sailor Moon fan than that. You know? (laughs) Like,
0: it just makes me laugh. (laughs) Okay, all right, all right. So that means when
1: you've got these questions, you're like, aww. (laughs) no 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 honestly not even because i think the term i think you said sailor guardians and i was like no i said sailor scouts because i said sailor scouts because i'm not gonna put guardians because i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) and maybe my brain has the same filter as that message board from back in high school where i see the word scout and my brain just now register it as senshi that is correct (laughs) she got me for life
0: well cool thank you i appreciate it I honestly appreciate the correction because I would
1: otherwise never know. Oh no, um, I wasn't trying to correct you. Just <laughs> history lesson, trivia lesson, you know.
0: I like trivia. I like knowing. I like knowing more. I like learning more, and so uh, the information is very helpful. I really, I, I am appreciative of it.
1: There's no sarcasm. That's that's sincere. Um, I'm I'm full of that useful so, information. <laughs> so Comic
0: Con at home is coming up.
1: Yes, and you have a panel. I
0: do. Very excited so, about it. Tell me about that panel. Now I'll I'll, I'll explain my little in uh, you know encounter with it because I went on YouTube uh, and I've watched every panel that you've done. with oh With gosh, this particular panel. No, nope, I totally did. Uh, <laughs> so tell me about this panel.
1: <clears throat> let me hear. Let me let me clear my throat with some little little agua. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Got to do the whole <laughs> intro. Yes. So the panel is called Gay Geeks and Where to Find Them. And um, the panel focuses on showcasing um, members that identify as like LGBTQIA in different parts of the industry, meaning either the comic books or even the bigger entertainment industry. Um, and the panel actually started out as, um, uh, it was started by Chris Riley, um, who I think you also know is one of my good friends. Uh, he started the panel back in oh, the early 2010s at BentCon, and it was an LGBT cosplay panel to begin with. And uh, he did it for a couple of years, and then him and his really good friend Chandler uh, uh, got together, and they transformed it into what is now the Gay Geeks panel because Chandler works at um, uh, uh, White Bear PR, and he has all these, like, entertainment connections. And they thought, well, wouldn't this be cool if it was kind of showcasing more. So it kind of, they get to talk about their careers and how being part of the LGBTQIA community has influenced them in their geekdom and how it's maybe kind of pushed them into the work that they do now. And um, the very first time that I met Chris Riley was at Comic-Con Palm Springs, the first one in 2016. And I got assigned as the moderator to that panel And I was like, oh, gay geeks, like, awesome. Well, I go, and he had brought his own moderator, Sonia Saturday, actually. And um, I was introducing myself to the panelists and and she's all, oh, actually, I think I'm moderating. And I go, oh, well, I was assigned. She goes, well, why don't we just co-host? Like, let's do that. And I go, sure. So we do that, and it was a super fun panel. And afterwards, Chris comes up to me, who was also in the panel, and he goes, who are you? I, I've never met you before, and you just came up and co-hosted my panel. Like I got to know who you were. You were great. Like who? How do I not know you? And uh, and I was wearing my jubilee cosplay, which the night before was the person who I saw was Chris, and I didn't know him at the time. So it was kind of like kismet that whole thing. And uh, throughout the years. I've helped him, like, out with the panel um, in different locations for LA, WonderCon, things like that, and stepped in and moderated several times. And um, just this year, before WonderCon, he called me. We had a conversation. He goes, well, Chandler and I want to officially pass our baby on to you. We want want this to be your baby now. And I was so honored, and I was so overwhelmed at first. I was so excited. And... um, now I know everything that goes into it. It's very extensive, the production of like getting it all together. And it is a struggle sometimes, but it's also very rewarding. It's just really exciting to get to interview people, I guess, about their geekiness and their job and how excited basically they are to get to do what they do, whether it's, someone at Netflix or someone at, you know, Lucasfilm or someone who's a podcaster, someone who's a a comic book artist or a novelist, different just like across the board. And um, what's really cool about it is the way that it's spiraled and snowballed um, now that we have all of these different um, uh, identification labels, such as like, you know, non-binary and things like that. And how you know it's called gay geeks and where to find them only because you know alliteration is fun you know saying gay geeks is fun but it's it's more than just being gay it's about the whole lgbtqia spectrum and so when now that i am producing it my formula for now unless i do something different and special i like to have different people of colors you know, I don't want just all white people or something like that. I wanna have as many representations of different ethnicities as I can because I want everyone to feel seen and included when they see these panels. And also I want to have all those people, I hope to have maybe one person identify as lesbian, maybe one's non-binary, maybe one's gay, maybe one is trans, you know, again, to whoever sees this panel, I want them to feel like that they are seen. And then also that also adds to trying to get, Oh, I'd like to have a writer. I'd like to have an artist. I'd like to have a podcaster. I'd like to have a cosplayer, you know, things like that. So I really, there's a lot of work that goes into kind of, um, picking, uh, and asking people if they want to do it. And it's really exciting. It's a, it, it is a lot of work. It seems, it seems like it's easy, but trying to take in all those factors is a lot and but it's also very fun for me and it also gives me the opportunity to when i interview these people i try to do like a deep dive and sometimes i might discover something i didn't know about someone's career you know things like that so it's always very exciting and i'm it's always kind of a learning a learning curve and experience and um i think one of the most one of the most ooh, i almost got emotional one of the most amazing Times was actually at San Diego Comic Con. We had the panel, and um, Chris asked the crowd and said, "Uh, Does uh, do you uh, raise your hand if you identify as LGBTQIA? And there was a girl that was there with her parents, and she raised her hand like so just quick and so like I'm here. And that was her coming out to her parents. And it was kind of emotional because. Because she felt safe in that place and surrounded by the same type of people that she could feel comfortable enough in her skin to admit to her parents because she felt safe in that place. And we all had an emotional moment afterwards. We're like, you, so, you created this safe space for her. And now, like, this is part of her journey and her story. When people ask, how did she come out? She's going to say, at Comic-Con, you know, it was, it was an amazing moment. We all got really emotional about it. And it was really sweet. And the parents were so, so accepting and amazing. I think the mom told me, she goes, uh, we always were, like, questioning, but we didn't want to actually question her because we wanted her to... We didn't want to pressure her, nothing. So when she said she wanted to come to this panel, we kind of went, okay, maybe that's a sign that maybe she's coming out. Or maybe it could just because there's, you know, people from Netflix and stuff on this panel. So maybe it could be a a fan thing. So it was a very cool, special moment. And I think everybody that was there will like remember that. It was so, so beautiful. And I feel very, very honored that my friends Chris and Chandler Oh, see, I almost got emotional for a second, so I got caught I'm up. Already
0: getting, I'm already getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs>
1: got caught up in my feelings. Um, I feel very honored that Chris and Chandler like passed this on to me because it's almost this kind of um, legacy, I feel, a part of being gay is like you wanna do, you wanna contribute to the community to make it better and to help, you know, um, kids and teenagers feel aware, feel seen and feel comfortable. And I feel very honored to be past that torch and now holding this torch high, like for our our community of geekiness and everything. It's very, it's very emotional. It's very, but it's very, I feel very excited about it. And it's very, it's very fulfilling. It feels right. You know, those kind of things. Representation is empowering. And I think that's
0: amazing that this, uh, uh, I don't know, you said kid? Was she a kid? I I don't know how old. uh,
1: I'd say she was probably 14 okay like 13 14 maybe 15 like yeah she was like a teacher a teenager young teenager just the idea of giving the safe space
0: of people of everyone in the community being there uh empowering her to be honest with i don't know that's that's pretty cool and yeah when he said i'm getting emotional i'm like
1: yeah fuck i'm (laughs) (laughs) i try not to be an emotional nelly but every now and then she wants to <laughs> she wants to put a frog in my throat. All... <laughs>
0: um, your your the first one I saw on YouTube. Uh, I I forget the I forget the person's name because I'm horrible with names. I can draw the person. Uh, I just can't remember their name. But the uh, person with Netflix. Um, oh Ted. Was, yes, when he was talking about He-Man, and you saw the collection of
1: figures behind him, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> Oh, my God. Bro, when I say that, what you saw behind him is nothing. It is... Ooh, let me clap to get my point across. It is nothing. It is the smallest fraction of his collection. He is a big toy collector that stems from, like, you know, growing up in the 80s and stuff. Like, he loves you know, Transformers, Ninja Turtle, all those type of things. But he also, like, his hobby is he takes photographs of them. Like, he does full-on scenes and puts them in, like, scenes and takes pictures. It's amazing. It's amazing. And his place, like, walls are the complete wall. There's no artwork. It's all Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, everything. Like, that is, like, his passion and a hobby. And he's actually... Uh, one of the creative driving forces behind the He-Man cartoons on Netflix and things. Yeah,
0: and when, when I found out about that and he was like, uh, if you can't tell, and he points at his figures. I'm like,
1: damn, talk about a dream come true. <laughs> I know. I think I even said something when he did that. I was like, no, you don't say. <laughs> um,
0: and then then he shows the photo they took with uh, Buffy, with Sarah Michelle Gellar.
1: And I'm just oh, like, man. damn, this guy's cool. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Imagine he gets to work with Kevin Smith on the He-Man show, like getting to work with Kevin must be a huge dream, you know, that's 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 nerdism, like almost personified someone who is such a nerd and loves putting it into his movies like that was the thing I grew up on Kevin Smith and Tarantino films and I always heavily appreciated the comic book aspects that were in them, I probably saw those movies way too young also to be honest probably (laughs) way too young I'm being very censored for this podcast I know we can cuss but I normally have the mouth of a fucking sailor (laughs) and you can you can Uh, which one was your first
0: view movie then
1: I okay it was either Clerks or Chasing Amy I can't remember which I saw first I probably saw Clerks when like it was like brand new out and I was really young and didn't understand because I remember seeing a black and white movie when I was really young But Chasing Amy, when I say that movie, probably changed my life. And it wasn't. And what the funny, the really funny thing is, it wasn't until years later when I've watched over and over them doing comics was just something they did to me and then it never really occurred to me and I go oh my god this movie could be about people I know and friends with <laughs> oh he makes he writes the comics and he draws them and he's getting into a relationship with the female comic writer and they meet at a convention and she's on a panel like it's the whole thing and I look at that now and I go that is so crazy to think that this was one of my favorite movies growing up and now that that's basically my life, like it is really, it's it's really surreal. I think my first one was mall rats. Mall rats, <laughs> I, do, I do love mall rats. I do love mall rats. Actually back in the day when I was part of the Raver scene, all my coworkers and I, we worked at Hollister And we would all go to raves. And we were like, oh, we need to come up with the rave family name. And I threw out immediately, we should be called the mall rats. Because we all work at the mall. Because some had also second jobs and brought in other people from those jobs. And I was like, we're all mall rats. That's what it's got to be. So our rave family was the mall rats. And they never knew that it was named after the mall rats movie. That was the main (laughs) focus for
0: me. One thing that's mentioned a lot in your uh, panels and... uh because you also invited guests who worked on uh, X-Men podcasts um, and with your Jubilee costume. I assume that you're a big fan of (laughs) X-Men. I,
1: I, you know, I would like to say that I'm a big fan, but I have friends Uh that are really big fans. I'd say I'm a great moderate fan. I don't, um, I do love X-Men. I, there's, there's a whole, there's a whole thing about it too, that I could get into, but I don't know if we have enough time for that today. Um, I do really love the X-Men. I do really appreciate the X-Men. Um, I mean, Jubilee was like, the re- there was a reason why Jubilee was like the go-to, not just cause I'd seen it the night before and been inspired by, but also like as a kid, Jubilee was my favorite on the show. And then like Cyclops was also one of my favorites. And um, and actually Chris Riley and Chandler Pulling, I'll say their names, uh, the ones who started the, the, the Gay Geeks panel Um, they actually do a podcast together called X reads where they read old issues from the eighties or other back issues and they just discuss them and it's super fun. And through them, I've met this whole slew of new friends and people that are all hardcore X-Men fans. And which is why I say, Oh, I'm not as big of a fan as I thought I was. Cause now that I see fans that are like, this is their bread and butter. I'm like, Oh, Oh, but it's so good to see that you guys are such fans of it. I love it, and i I enjoy it with them as much as they enjoy it. It's so fun.
0: Oh, uh, I don't know. I just I never compare fandoms. like because, like, yeah, when I saw uh, his collection of figurines, I'm like, oh, well, that made my collection of figurines
1: look. <laughs> oh my God, man. yeah. like, and you said it's only a fraction. dude if you could see ted let me let me find his instagram so i could tell you what it is because i'm looking very forward to it anybody listening can check him out it's um it's it's Ted. it's a-n-i-m-a-t-e-t-e-d and uh it's just like here i'll show you on screen here's like a gem in the holograms action figure The folks who are listening i can't see it uh it is amazing (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> i will do you know and i will also make sure that i send his profile to you because I, I'm looking very his, forward his hobby is literally doing that He's, mm-hmm. he buys the heat man castle so he can set them all up against it it's amazing i love having such amazing nerdy friends uh, uh but
0: my question like you. was
1: yes and i love you too so much uh, <laughs> um what horror movie
0: would you put an x-men in
1: you know, I'm not a big horror movie person, but I will say... Um, it could I'm be not, a spooky I, movie. You know, my thing is, like, I was very traumatized as a child by Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I really was. Um, and so slasher flicks never did anything for me. And now as an adult, it's just hard for me to watch um, people make dumb life or death deci- decisions in life or death situations. Like, that to me <laughs> is always, I'm like, grab the gun. Why did you not grab the knife on your way out? Like things like that. I'm that person that will scream at a movie theater cause I'm just like, come on now. But I have found that I really enjoy found footage style films. And one of my favorite, favorite, favorite ones um, is called As Above, So Below. And are you familiar? I am, and I think that's a fantastic movie. It's one of, I don't know why it's one of my, And again, I'm not a big horror fan. I am obs- I love that movie. I think it's beautiful that they got to actually film it in the catacombs under Paris. But I look at that movie and I think about some of the scenes where they're running and stuff like that, you know, and it's that camera shakiness. But, like, when they're going through hell and you see things and stuff, I'm all, how cool would it be to see, like, an X-Men movie where it was filmed kind of like this, where they're running and you just see Cyclops off to the side, like, optic blast someone. He's like, I got that demon. Uh-uh. Like, it would just be really really cool, I think, to see them in some kind of, like, where you feel the life or death situation, like, oh, you better run. Oh, you better run. That's right, Gene, you better move that thing out the way. Like, you know, those kind of feelings. I would love to see the X-Men in a horror movie like that. Um, New Mutants gave us, like, elements of horror that I really appreciated. Um, But I would, again, I would love to see, like, that found footage, like, edge of your seat, like, oh, are they going to make it? Oh, are they going to make it? You know? And or, like, even something as scary as, like, um what was the other big... Paranormal Activity, how it just scared people. Like, it gave them, like, those feels. I would love an X-Men movie to have that kind of horror feel because it would be so exciting to watch it. I just think the whole experience of, ooh, it's X-Men, but you're also scared and, like, oh, my God. Like, it, which also would be a great way of, like, I think, interpreting some of their storylines that are, like, a little bit darker, I think would be a great way to showcase that. Have you seen Chronicle? Um, which one is that one? Is that the one where it's it's the 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 kids get powers? Yeah, and the whole movie is filmed from like different things cell phone cameras and stuff. Yeah, I did see that. That was how that movie was done, especially at the time that it was done, was very um, very well done. It was a very great concept. It really was. like the scene where the guy's floating like magneto, and he's got all the cameras floating around him, and it keeps switching from, what you're watching went on like from a camera or like a Nixon or like a cell phone. I thought that was really clever and what a genius way to use, you know, um, cinematography. Cause everybody's got camera phones and stuff nowadays. So I think it was really at the time they did it. It's very clever. And also I learned that found footage films are like the cheapest ones to make. Another favorite that actually scared me. uh, It doesn't scare me now, but it got me the first time. Um, what is it where they break into an assignment? Oh, uh, Grave Encounters. Yes, that to me is another great found footage film where like I was on the edge of my seat. And again, I would love to see that film like for an X Men movie, I think it would make for a great movie, like a dark, dark Phoenix film, something scary, you know. I would totally dig that, I really would. would
0: (laughs) Um, so you're also, uh, I don't know how much time we have, but I'm going to ask this question. Uh, if Oh, <laughs> we're right there at the hour. Um, I'm still going to ask this question. We got some time. We can go <laughs> long. I got
1: all nothing but time for you, Jimmy.
0: If there was a sitcom dad series of Tiki Mugs, I know you love Tiki. You're going to go to Tiki Oasis. Yes. Uh, if, there was a, if there was a sitcom dad series of Tiki Mugs, which one would be your favorite?
1: Okay, when you asked the question, when you sent it to me, I was confused how I read it at first. And then, like, uh. today, when I reread it, I go, oh, like, the Geeky Tiki mugs, how it's like they have characters and stuff. Got it, got it. Correct. Um, I'd have to, honestly, I'd have to have a Mr. Brady mug. That's and a damn good to keep, answer. To keep with the Tiki theme, it would might have to be Mr. Brady when they went to Hawaii. Like, I think that would be great. Uh, the other ones that I thought of, and I thought of, like, I was like, well, who would other be other great dads? And I thought of like, um, you know, Darren from Bewitch or Ricky from Lucy, or John Goodman on Roseanne. I think would be another great one. Like, there was so many I was thinking of, and I'm, I'm hoping Brandon from Geeky Tiki's hears this at some point and goes, oh my god, what a great idea! I'm gonna do a dads sitcom series. Like, I think it would be the thing. I definitely would get the the Mr. Brady because that was like my first like. Dad crush was Mr. Brady. He was so handsome to me. I feel like John Goodman's head already is shaped like a tiki mug. Like I, I, <laughs> I'm
0: thinking about how I would draw that. I'm like, no, that it's already a mug, right?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly how you would draw him, too. Yeah, I guess. He would. <laughs> oh, my God. That is so, that is so, that is, I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't either. I really don't. I can't tell you that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I feel like maybe Tim Allen gets an Audible mention in there somewhere. I don't want to, but I guess Exactly. I d I don't want I wouldn't want to. I'm trying <laughs> to think like who are other good sitcom dads. I always um, think of like, classic television and I never think of like more modern like like uh Malcolm in the Middle was not a show that I watched when I was like when it was on. Like it wasn't one of my things. So when I Watched some episodes, it was wild to me to see uh, uh, what's his name from Breaking Bad, in yeah, this yeah. comedic role. And I just know him as like this one very character, and then to see him in this 100%, you know, total, you know, what is it, 180 degree like characterization, it really showed me. I was like, um, dang, he's talented, AF, bro.
0: You should check out the uh there's a clip of him as the character from Malcolm Middle waking up from the nightmare of Breaking Bad.
1: (laughs) Oh my god, how amazing would that be? Could you imagine? And he's waking up and he's just like theory that Breaking Bad is set in the same universe as The Walking Dead. I am not there's there's been like little easter eggs it's not i don't know if it's said same universe but they make little easter egg references like i think in the walking dead they talk about like a blue meth and like it was some good stuff it was something my cousin was into and i'm like oh that was a nod to breaking bad that's great i like that a lot i'm gonna check that out um so we're near the end uh have you uh if you have any social media that do you have any social media that people should follow uh, yeah, I have all the social medias. Um, you can follow me at Julian underscore Jetson, um, like the Jetsons, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can also follow a, a podcast that I was supposed to start at the beginning of this year that's not been started, but you can follow it for future updates. I'm totally Geeking Out on Instagram and Totes Geeking Out on Twitter. Uh, they wouldn't let me put the whole thing in Twitter. They, I guess they have a cap. Um, mm-hmm. And what is another social media that I use? Um, Yeah, I don't have any Facebook pages about myself, I guess. You know, I don't have anything like that. Uh, But yeah, the most of my adventures you can really follow is my Instagram of Julian underscore Jetson. I love posting stories, even if it's just sharing content. I just love playing around with stories. And you might see 500 stories before you see another post. (laughs) Um, But I love playing with that kind of, like, temporary... um, kind of like little showcase of something like a 24 hour, like put the song with this graphic, with this image, with this backdrop. I just like being like little like easy creative like that. So if you enjoy fun music and tiki stuff and nerdiness and gayness, please feel free to give me a follow or to to, like just check in every once in a while. I will always be sharing every time I do a panel, I always will be sharing it on that as my main. And what would you give to uh, aspiring folks who want to be, I guess, louder about their passions, about their nerdiness? Go for it. What I got to say about that, go for it. I mean, the reason why I'm here today doing like the stuff that I do is because I was a fan. You know, I was someone who kept up with things like Power Rangers for a long time, not as much now, but like for a long time, we'll say, and different geeky stuff, you know, Superman stuff. And, you know, in high school, I could have told you I know more about the politics in Star Wars than actual American politics. You know, Uh, that's no longer the case, uh, for the record. Uh, uh, But there was a time, I think I was about 21, and I was kind of starting to figure out, you know, more of who I was and where I was wanting to do and stuff. And I got down on myself at one point and I was like, I feel like I just have all this useless knowledge. I can tell you everything about all of the Robins and things like that. Like, and I go like, that's useless information until I realized not so useless information. You just have to switch your mindset about it. And when I realized that my passions were these types of things, I started making it a point to pursue those passions. And I know it sounds cheesy to say, but you know follow those dreams because they really they can really take you someplace and i've been places where i've been down and feel like i'm going nowhere but you know it's that mindset of just you know wanting to have have fun and you know do the things you want to do and if you're if you're like if your interest is Dungeons and Dragons i just saw a guy who's making like 129 dollars like a game doing a uh, uh like uh online hosting and then like setting up games for other people like if this if you have a passion i don't want to say there's a way to monetize it but like figure out like a way that you can do the things you would like to do you know if you want to start a podcast it's easier said than done because obviously i haven't started mine it is there's 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 technical things but you know just start learning about things and start doing it you know try and try and try and try again at some point you will succeed and you just gotta have fun the more fun you have i think the more rewarding your work feels